Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our meditation here this morning is recorded in the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation, beginning with the first verse. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us to your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Maybe see it. It's always darkest before the dawn. This is one of the most frequently referenced proverbs in our world today. It's spoken in films like Batman when Gotham is about to descend into chaos. It shows up in books like The Lord of the Rings when the forces of evil seem insurmountable. Coaches evoke it when their athletes are ready to throw in the towel. But few know the biblical origins of this proverb. It's at least first recorded in a 17th century Bible history written by the English theologian Thomas Fuller. He used it to comment on David's moment of panic when he was fleeing from King Saul in the book of 1 Samuel. And lo and behold, the dawn did come. For God came to his aid, guided him through the turmoil, and ultimately established him as king of an Israel far greater than Saul would ever know. Let us then today meditate on this theme. It's always darkest before the dawn. The words of our text are recorded by John, the servant and prophet of God. Christ gave him this striking revelation via an angel. Now John, was, John probably received this vision sometime at the end of the first century when the emperor Domitian was persecuting Christians. At that time, John had been exiled to the island of Patmos, which is just off the coast of modern-day Turkey. The Roman authorities had banished him there to rot because he had dared to preach Christianity. There he would come to know the meaning of the dark night of the soul when he was separated from all that he had ever known and loved. Considering the darkness of our own age, we too might be tempted to think the dawn is never going to come. For unlike the vision of the new heavens and the new earth in our text, about one in four people around the world 
don't have access to clean drinking water. About 10% of the global population regularly goes to bed hungry. Despite centuries of mission work, only a third of the world has embraced Christianity. Mankind seems to curse everything that he touches. And if people bind anything to their foreheads and arms, it's usually not the word of God. In fact, many today have a very difficult time discerning between what is the light and what is the darkness. Now, the Enlightenment told us that we could have morality without God. And yet its proponents were unable to stand up to the nihilism that it unleashed. Postmodernism has told us that Christian values are no more valid than any others. And yet, that's never stopped its adherents from imposing their truth claims on us. If power and social media likes is all that this world has left to offer us, why shouldn't we become cynics and just throw up our hands and give in to despair? You see, Christ answers that very question with the revelation here in our text. Sure, persecutors can take away our life, but you see, they can never take away our eternal life. For Christ has been in control all along. He has indeed tolerated the madness that we see so prevalent in our society today. And yet, he only does so to give as many as possible a chance to repent. In fact, the reason we can be so certain of our place in this revelation, in this blessed vision, is because we know that Christ suffered hell for us, the very separation from God, in order to bring it about and make it a reality for each and every one of us. For remember, Jesus wandered the desert for 40 days and was tempted by the devil for us. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas betrayed him and his own disciples forsook him in order to bring salvation for us, in order to free us forever from death's terrible grasp. He bore our sins and suffered the torments for our sins that we each rightly deserved. And he did all of this knowing full well that his very own father would have to turn his face away from him in disgust when he was covered in sin for our salvation. But brothers and sisters, all of this he did so that you and me would be able to experience the new heavens and the new earth so that we would have certainty that because he suffered our separation from God, we would never have to. And now we come to the moment that we've all been waiting for. Christ pulls back the veil to reveal the consummation of these new heavens and the new earth. Is it anything short of paradise regained? Could there be a more intimate union and communion with God and beatific vision? For from the throne of God flows to us a spirit-filled river of the water of life. Of that water, our Lord himself says, Whoever drinks of that water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. 
And the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Just imagine it. No one will ever be hungry or sick again. For the fruit and the leaves capable of healing and feeding the nations are plentiful on the new trees of life. Neither can anything be accursed, for we will not only bear God's name on our foreheads, just as his Old Testament law had always intended, but we shall be like God, John says, because we shall know him as he is. And finally, we will bask forevermore in the glory of uncreated light. For our Lord himself says, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. But in the meantime, as wonderful and awesome as that vision truly is, what does God do for us in the here and now? Has he left us in the lurch until that glorious and blessed day is awesome as it truly is? Has he told us simply to buck up in the moment? No, there is far more to this vision than that. For you see, we are not waiting for the events of Revelation to unfold. In fact, we have been living in it for the last 2,000 years already. We have been living in it and participating in it. We have been participating in the new heavens and the new earth, albeit not yet in all of its fullness. For whenever Christians are gathered around the means of grace, there the new heavens and the new earth are already beginning to break into our reality. For you see, the word and the sacrament gets their transformative power because they are a foretaste of those healing leaves, the water of life, and that life-giving, never-ending fruit. All of this is why we can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword? Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not only does he promise never to tempt us, but he also adds, The bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Therefore cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. For he will never permit the righteous to be moved. Ironically, there is even a sort of silver lining to the madness of our world. For the more audacious his perversions become, it's all the clearer that we truly belong to God. Brothers and sisters, it's always darkest before the dawn. And nevertheless, the dawn is sure to come. Until that time, we pray with the church of all ages, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. We close with the reading of St. John. Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear, who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard and keep your hearts and minds in faith through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And we pray. Eternal God, merciful Father, you have appointed your sons as the judges, you appointed your sons as judge of the living and the dead. Enable us to wait for the day of his return with our eyes fixed on the kingdom prepared for our own from the foundation of the world. 
Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.